Today I'm, I'm going to end the month, uh, this month, with just a review of, of connections and, and vision for the house and, and vision for God's church and what God is building. How many know that God is building something in the earth? How, how many believe that? God is building something in the earth. God is. Actually, He's building His church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. God is. He's building His church. And um, that, that idea has to da- get downloaded inside of us so that we can be a part of what He's doing. We, we, you know, we don't want to build something to us. We, we want to build something and be a part of building something that we believe in because what we believe in is Him. And He's building His church. Matthew 16 and verse 19 says that he will build his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And that he gives us authority. He gives us authority in the earth and that whatever we bind is bound, whatever we loose is loosed. He's given us authority for that. But he's building his church. And... Um, because people in this nation, I can't speak for other nations because I, I live here and I can't speak for everybody here because I just, you know, am connected to, you know, certain people around this country. But, um, but as a whole, people are very moved by what they see. People make decisions in life based on what they see. M- most people... Um, emotionally are moved by things instead of being stable and solid they're moved emotionally if something bad happens then some then everything's bad if something good happens and they're in a good mood they're moved tossed to and fro back and forth based on how things appear to be in the natural and how things really seem and that they know they are on the inside of them because if you're moved by what you see then you have an understanding inside of you that that's the way it is. But the Bible's real clear that nothing, there's not anything on planet earth that can't be changed. Can this pulpit be changed? With the right equipment, right people, there's two or three of you in here that could bend this and make it into something else. I'm, I'm confident of that. It's subject to change. Right now, it's holding up my piece of paper. It's letting me lean on it. And my phone, my Bible, is right here. But it's subject to change. Everything is subject to change. But I say it like this, because that's what the Scripture says. Everything is subject to change for the good. That's where my focus is. I'm not looking for things that are good to change to bad. I'm looking for circumstances today to increase and change for the good. How about you? I want the good. I don't want just whatever. I want the good. God is good and he created us good and he created things to be good. And God wants good in the earth and that's what he's building and he's building his church so that humanity can understand and know the goodness of God. 
God's good. So, today just a, just a few things in review of, of some of what we've talked about and just kind of driving home a number of, or, or a couple of points that we looked at but I want to just go a little deeper with. In Proverbs 29, and you can look there with me, Proverbs 29 And verse 18, I'm going to read it in the, in the New King James, and then I want to read it in the Amplified. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Happy is he who keeps the law, or in, in what we're talking about, who keeps the word, who keeps God's word, his way of doing things. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. That gives it a little bit more understanding. The people perish. So I want to take those two translations and I want to say it like this. Where there is no, where there is no vision... No redemptive revelation of God. People cast off restraint. They cast it off where there's no vision. I don't care what it is. If it's a business, if it's a family, I don't care what it is where there's no redemptive revelation. Now, let's think about what redemptive is. To be redeemed to, to be redeemed from something is to be redeemed to something. Okay? Redemptive, redemption is defined as coming from a low place to a high place. Where there is no redemptive revelation, where, where you have not allowed the Word to take you from a low place because anything that you think today that's not of God, you're thinking low. Anything that is of God is thinking higher. And where that process is not working, there's no vision. And when there's no vision, people cast off restraint. And the best definition that I have of that statement about casting off restraint is, is this. Where there is no restraint, not control, but restraint, guidelines. That's what redemptive revelation brings. If there's not that, then you're a God unto yourself. That's the best way I can define that, that passage. Because no, no other translation, or at least of the common translations that I have, talk about that casting off restraint. It's just perishing. Well, when you cast off restraint, that's what happens. It's like a slow death. It's like a slow death to the results of redemptive revelation. Because where there's no redemptive revelation, then spiritually and soulishly, you're dying a slow death. Your thinking is continuing to move forward. Your thinking is continuing to be like the way the world thinks. 
You're, continu you're continuing to think in your emotions. You're continuing to make decisions based on fear in life. I mean, I mean, it's a plethora of different thoughts and ideas that have to come out of you for you to be on the receiving end of the things of God. And that's what the, the Word brings is redemptive revelation. And it's not just the knowledge of the Word, but it's the Word reveal. If there's no redemptive revelation of divine health and healing working in your body, then you will not be healed God's way. Even though God healed you two, over 2,000 years ago through what the Father did in sending the best of heaven, His only begotten Son, He sent Him to liberate you and set you free, but it won't work for you if you don't believe in it. So if you believe that you are sick and that's your destiny in life and sickness will take you out, I hear many people say, and don't, don't, don't misunderstand me saying this, I'm not speaking down to you, I'm speaking at you, okay? I mean, it might seem like I'm speaking down to you because I'm standing up here, <clears throat> but I'm not speaking down to you, I'm speaking at you, I'm just telling you what the Word says. And the Word says that the traditions of men make the Word of God of no effect. And so many people think, many people think that Well, I'll just use this as an example, as an illustration. In my, in my family, many people in the past have died of different forms of cancer in my family. And so, it used to be said and was known that in, that, in our lineage, in the Wimberley lineage, that people die of cancer, and so... Everybody's always going to the doctor in fear, taking tests to make sure that they don't have cancer. It's gotten better over the years because more redemptive revelation has come, but I, I, I'm the patriarch of my family. I was the first one saved of anybody that I knew of. And I got an early revelation that I'm healed and I'm not sick. Amen. And I can count on probably one hand how many days in my life that I, uh, well, probably less than that, how many days in the last 40 years of my born-again life that I couldn't do anything because of symptoms that were in my body, but I was still healed. See, I didn't deny the fact that I had symptoms because then you're lying. But what I was declaring was the symptoms had no right to remain in my body. A lot of people, when I would say that, I've learned through the years to kind of tone things down. People can't receive something that is your revelation that they don't have revelation of. So if today this, this is tender, I have to preach this because I'm at the pulpit. I don't, I don't go, you know, out in the community and stand on the street corner and preach this kind of stuff because people just think you're a nut. Unless God told me to. But he usually doesn't because that's not the way God most of the time operates because he wants people. He doesn't want to push people away. He wants to draw people to him, you know. But I'm just making an, giving you an illustration today of how if there's no redemptive revelation coming, then you're going to take the lie and believe that sickness is going to take you out prematurely. I'm not. 
not taking my children out, not taking any family member I got, and anybody that's connected to this place, if you'll believe what I'm saying, it's not going to take you out. Can you say amen to that? Amen? We're shutting the curse down. We're redeemed from the curse of sickness. We've been liberated and free. We're not giving in to it. We're not putting up with it. We're not tolerating it. I don't care what it looks like. Everything is subject to change. You have symptoms in your body. Those symptoms are subject to change today in Jesus' name because of what he's done. And you know what? You can yell, scream, spit, and do whatever I'm doing right here, and, and that won't get it done if you don't believe it. But I, you can spit and yell and scream, and you believe it, and it works. We believe it. We're the healed in Christ. Amen? Just an illustration of how that redemptive revelation has to become real to us so that we live in those guidelines and don't give place to the other things because if, if that's not coming to you, sooner or later you're going to cast off that restraint and all of a sudden your mouth's going to take over and you're going to talk about how you feel and how you look and every symptom that comes and everything else because you're, you know what, that doesn't work. You know, I heard the pastor said, I tried that for six months and it just didn't work. Man, the endurance. Huh? Tried that for six months and it didn't work. The word works. But you have to come to the place where you believe it, and that means removing doubt. Right? Not, re not removing circumstances first, removing doubt. And when you get rid of the doubt, the circumstances will leave. But if there's none of that, we cast off restraint, we don't have vision for whatever it is that we're believing God for. Can you say amen to that? Amen? Um, so think about that, what I just said. Either I'm God or I trust him that he's God. You can be born again and still be the God of your own life. I've heard people say, well, you know, I got born again and I made Jesus the Lord of my life the day I got born again. If you've ever heard that, that's misinformation. Because for Jesus to be Lord, he has to be in control. The day you confess Jesus as your Savior, you got born a second time. You didn't make him the Lord of your life. You may have declared that, but he has to become Lord because you have to become convinced he's Lord and you're not. Amen. Matthew 5. I got this passage and one more. Matthew 5. And I'm just going to read... Um, verse 15 and 16, and I'm going to look at that in the message. Verse 15 in the message Bible of Matthew 5. He said, if I make you, this is the message, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. 
Everybody say, I'm a light bearer. Okay? So you've got to be put on a stand. Now, I have to say that most people I know don't want to be on a stand. Most people I know. Now, there are certain people that do. And they fight for it and they work it and they, and, and they believe that, that being on a stand and being out there in the forefront is just what will make their life so much easier and that's what they want. But most people don't want that. So you have to purpose. If you're going to be a part of what he's building in the earth, then you have to purpose to be on a stand. He said, since you're a light bearer, a light's supposed to shine. So you've got to be out there to shine the light for the good of other people, right? That's what he's saying. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. He's telling you personally, keep open house. Keep open house. Keep, your, keep yourself open. Keep yourself open to people. I, I, I know if you've heard me say this before, just say he means it even more. But I've never, in all my days, been more excited about where the world is versus where the church is. And when I, what I'm judging the church on is what I know, because I'm the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. You're not saying I am, you are, right? We're the church, but I'm the church. But I can't really be effective without all the other parts, but I'm the church, and I've got to practice my part all the time. I've never been more excited than I am today. I mean, I feel like I feel like a kid in a candy store with the revelation I have. I'm so grateful that I didn't quit. Only difference in me and a, and, a, and a lot of my friends of the past, they quit and I didn't. Not because God loved me more, this, that, whatever. Just the fact that I didn't quit. I'm so grateful. But when you're grateful with something, you want to share it. I was in a I was in a Starbucks, I don't know when it was, sometime this summer I was in a Starbucks, I think I was in San Antonio, it was either in San Antonio or Austin, I, I don't remember where it was, but I was in the Starbucks and I was, I had, uh, I, I just drink black coffee, so it's real easy, you know, when I go in the baristas, they, they look at me like, oh, thank God, I have to make something, just, they just give me my coffee, well, they gave me my coffee and I asked for bold, I like bold black coffee. And they gave me my coffee, and I tasted it. But what they don't know is I know when they slip me a Pike Place. Mm -hmm. So I just turned around very politely, and I just said, uh, uh, you know what, that's not bold. Oh, we don't serve bold right now. I said, but you can make me a pour over, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, you know. Where they thought they were getting off easy, now they had to set up the little pour over and pour hot water over it and get me a bold coffee. So I just asked them, you know, it wasn't any big deal, but they tried to slide me in, you know, come on now. 
So I was standing there waiting for my pour over. And these two men were standing right here next to me. It was in San Antonio. And, uh, and they were talking about the growth in this area. And one guy hated the growth, and the other guy liked the growth. And uh, they were talking about, you know, the city's so behind, the roads are behind, you know, all, all the infrastructure's behind, everything. They're not going to be able to stay up with all the growth and the building of houses and all this kind of stuff, you know. And, and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I mean, it just, it was just the Holy Ghost. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to butt into somebody's conversation, but I look over at these two guys. I mean, I mean, they're standing right here, and I'm standing here, like they're right here. And I looked at them, I said, I, I, I don't mean to butt in, but, you know, God loves change. <laughs> and they just, both of them just kind of stared at me. They were right in the middle of their conversation. And, uh, but I, I caught them because I used, I, I slipped them the God card. So you don't always slip people the God card, and I don't usually do that, but I don't know why I did. I just slipped in the God card, and I just said, you know, God loves change. And finally, in a minute, I mean, it, was, it seemed like, I mean, maybe it wasn't 60 seconds, but it seemed like it was about, you know, 15 minutes. And the guy that wanted the change, he looks at his buddy and goes, you know what? That guy is right. He said, that's why it's changing here, you know. That's why things are changing in this area. And, you know, for maybe three or four minutes, we engaged in a conversation. But the end of the conversation, because I slipped him the God card, was asking me about God. It didn't go anywhere from there. I didn't push it any farther. I stood there as long as they wanted to talk. You understand? But I planted a seed. And you know what? I mean, I am more excited about those kinds of seeds than anything. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I, think, I mean, I, I didn't even have that illustration written down. It came back to me about that seed that I sowed into those guys' lives. I slipped them the God name, and then they asked me questions about God. Listen, people aren't running from God. They don't know God. And they're never going to know God if they don't have some guy that, somebody that comes along that's just normal sounding, that's drinking black coffee, you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, able to have a conversation, an intelligent conversation that's not about putting them under pressure about sin in their life. People just run from it. You've heard me say this all year long. Everybody is looking for God. Everybody is. But God puts you here to be an open door, have your house opened, and, listen, and, and these last two things. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up to God. 
the reason that we connect together here is to get rid of our stuff here so we can go out there and be ready and prepared and, and our lives just naturally prompt other people to love God. My growing up, man, I, phew, Christians were a bunch of wimps. I mean, every guy that I knew that was a Christian had a scowl on his face, was mad, you know. I, I only knew two preachers, and that's just because, and I didn't know them, I just knew who they were because, I don't know, I went to a service one time and another service one time, like a funeral or Easter or something, I don't know. And so I knew a couple of guys, but they were just grouchy people in my mind. You know what I'm saying? There was no light or life or nothing. There was, it wasn't prompting me to want to come to church. You know what I'm saying? And listen, it's not about how perfect everything is here but it's how you handle yourself out there. But you're never going to learn how to handle yourself out there if you don't come here, receive from God's word, and do something with it. See, you're a light. You're supposed to be on a stand. You're not supposed to be hidden and, and, and away from people and, and act like you, know, you don't have time for people. I didn't have time for those two guys at the Starbucks, but I planted a seed, and I promise you, that seed is working. Do you think either one of those guys had something to say to someone else about this stranger that they came in contact with at Starbucks that mentioned God? But you know what? Had I not mentioned God or anything about God or something in a way that would lead them, they, they wouldn't, it would have just been the same old stuff. If I just, if I just started talking bad about President Trump, you know, I mean, that's normal. They wouldn't have even remembered me. Right? If I'd have been talking about some other government official or this thing or that thing or just the weather. Everybody talks about the weather. But who stands in a Starbucks and says, God loves change? I mean it. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they were just busy. I mean, just shut it down. Because, man, when... When, you, when, when, when the light of his word enters, it brings light and life and reflection. And, and all of a sudden, thoughts begin to come because what's that, what that's the beginning of is redemptive revelation making changes. But God has called you, as it said in this scripture that we're reading right here, God has called you. To open up to others and prompt them to open up to him. God has called you to prompt others to open up to him. That's what he needs. That's why our connect groups are important. Um, you heard the announcement, if you've not been here before, um, or if you have, and maybe you've never gone through one, or maybe you haven't gone through one in a long time, our Genesis class that's next Sunday, the second class will be at the end of the month. We're doing something a little bit different with our Genesis starting this month. And if you've not been to one of those, come and hear information about the church. We're just going to talk, 
I'm going to give you a number of things and, and, and talk and just have a good time with that. Well, but what happens as a result of that is that there's connection that happens. Um, in our connect groups, all the leaders have names of all the people. They're going to contact you and you're going to come to a connect group to some of you learn how to open up to others. Because you can't prompt others from your life if you're afraid to open up to other people that you don't like being around. And why don't you like being around them if you've never been around them? How would you know you wouldn't like being around them? That doesn't even make any sense. I'm teaching our, our One Connect Equip class that we started last year, a different one. This is a different class. This is the, the authority of the believer or the believer's authority, <laughs> whatever it is, one of those two things, same thing. But uh, there's something about not just the teaching but the interaction in these classes that help you grow and connect with other people. You come to this class when there's time for interaction and to give a point or something, you may have something and in the past you wouldn't do it, but God's going to challenge you to open up to other people even in spite of the fact that you don't think you have anything to say. The devil's been lying to you because I promise you you have things to say because there's people everywhere that need what you have. Don't tell me those two guys in the Starbucks didn't need to hear what I said. You know why? God prompted me. You know why God could prompt me? Because I practice being open to God and I practice allowing myself to be open to prompt other people so that they'll open up to God. I've practiced that through, my, through the years. Had I never practiced that, I'm not going to spend the time doing that in Starbucks or wherever. God's building his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. But I promise you today, he cannot build his church with people that have no redemptive revelation from God. God can't build his church. Everybody say, he can't. You know why he can't? Because he set it up that way. He's already done his part. He's done everything he'll ever do. But now we've got to embrace his part. And the things I'm sharing with you today are, are part of, they're a huge part of building the church that he's building. It's a huge part. He's not building the masses. He's building one person at a time. And it takes you being open to build that with people that, that come across your path. That's what these connect groups are about. In October, we're going to do a series. You'll see a, vi a, a video clip of it next Sunday. We're doing a series uh, for men called Men Make Men by the, uh, Dr. Don Weiss. And he, it's, a video, it's a video piece that we'll show, a couple of videos that we'll show each time. And then we're going to break up into groups and have time where we learn to share. And, and you know, for some men, uh, man, that's scary. What do you mean we're going to separate in groups and talk? You mean i got to share my feelings or something like that? I mean, you know, let the women do that. Yeah, that's why we have the women's things that we've had. And this year, uh, not having a women's class like this, like the men are going to do, we're going to have a women's conference. Why? To connect. You have people from the outside come in. We, we've got a pastor prophet woman that's coming that pastors, and she's a prophetess. I mean, amazing lady uh, is going to come and bring a 
really good word, but just going to bring an energy to encourage you women. Because it's all about connection. All these things that I'm talking about are about connection. Um, years ago, we were stronger as a body in connecting with missions, meaning connection with what's happening in other places. But I didn't like what we were doing. And we just shut it down. We didn't do anything with missions for a long time. But over the last two years, God, three years, God's given me a mandate about, about a world vision, having a stronger world vision. And I tell you what, I mean, I, I, have, to, I have to push that thing down a little bit because I could just take off with it. But in our body, there's a, a, there's a world vision that's being established that many of you that came to the vision night or the, the vision missions night that we had back in the 1st of June um, know that we are, we've got a trip planned in, in February and you'll get more details about that in the next couple of weeks, what that's going to look like. Um, but it's kind of the beginnings of people being trained how to open themselves up to prompt other people to open up to God. Man, I, I, as, I, as I was preparing for this message, I was going to preach something else today, and, and I felt like God said to me that I, I want you to do a review of this. And as I was reviewing it, boom, that just jumped out of the scripture at me. We read this twice. But God wants my life to be an open book to a certain point. You have to guard yourself. You know, you don't want to become too familiar with everybody on the planet. But God wants you to open yourself up so that you learn how to prompt other people to open up to God. The statement I made to those two men, I keep going back to my illustration, but the statement I made to those two men in Starbucks prompted those men to seek after the things of God. I know it. Or I wouldn't have said it. Because I don't mention God to most people the first time I come in contact with I don't mention anything about God. Because they're not ready for my God. In most cases, they're not ready. But right then, it was God telling me what to say. Most people are not ready for your God, so you got to get into their lives. So you have to be willing to become more of an open book, be a light on a stand, not be afraid of being on a stand, and having a focus look, looked at you things and people looking at your life and the reason most people don't want to do that because they don't want to deal with their own hearts that's why as the word changes things in you man then you just you, you naturally open up you're not afraid of anything what's somebody going to do to me I mean what, what are you going to find out about me um, I've heard two and I've heard of a number of situations there's a lot of things where, in our society today where people are just walking on eggshells about every little thing. A lot of people are afraid of their past and things that they've done in the past that it's going to come up and bite them. Uh, anybody in here not have a past? Please raise your hand. <clears throat> okay. Now, could your past bite you? Absolutely. Nobody sitting in here today doesn't have something that somebody could make a big deal out of, especially the world that we're living in right now. 
I'll just tell you right now, you know, from an early age, I did drugs from an early age. I was smoking reefer at 11, no, 13. And did for a number of years, got saved, still smoked reefer. Now, not around my Christian friends, but I'd leave my Christian friends and then go do what I wanted to do. See, I lived that for a little while. But I had people in my life that taught me how to open myself up and just be open to making changes, you know, that I needed to make in my life. Could my past rise up and bite me, especially if I decided to run for mayor in Kerrville? Well, he used to smoke dope. Somebody run with that and do something with it, right? I was pretty much a teenage alcoholic. I guess. I mean, I just drank it all the time because that's what everybody else did. I didn't necessarily like drugs or alcohol or anything. I just did it because everybody else did it. I didn't really even like it. But that's what everybody did. All my friends did that, so that's what I did. So could that, I'm just mentioning a couple things in my past. Uh, Could that bite me because I was something or did certain things like that. It doesn't matter what it is. There's a whole bunch of other things that I was involved in and did before I had any understanding. Could that rise up and somebody use that against me? Absolutely. But I'm redeemed. Amen? And the decisions that I made when I had no revelation or had very little revelation are very little consequence. You know what Paul said? He said, I consider it a very small thing to be judged by you because I'm judged by God. You see, that's what we want to help people do. We want to help people to become open so they can judge their own hearts, make changes in their life that God wants them to make, not that somebody's you know, chasing them around and following them around, well, you do this wrong and that and you don't do enough of this and that and all these other things. No, 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 forget it. People are going to do what they want to do until redemptive revelation comes and makes the change on the inside. So quit hounding people about things that you think they need to change they can't change without revelation i know i can because i have revelation and i I, there are things there's no way i can get away with i can't get away with this i have revelation but until people come to that place they can't get rid of it they can try they can work at it real hard but sooner or later pressure is going to come and it's going to get them right back to where they're doing it again and once you've Once you've got off of something and back on something 15 times, you get to a place sometimes that you just, man, I can't do it anymore. Because you weren't intended to do it. You had to get revelation from him. So that's why I have to be open. I have to learn how to judge my own life and heart, see, so that I can help other people open up and turn towards God so that they can make changes. That's why connection at Gates of the City is so important because of the vision we have to help other people. We want to see people's lives discipled by the power of his word and the anointing that comes from his word. We want to see people discipled by that word, but they'll never be discipled by the word if they don't find a disciple who's been discipled. Disciples make disciples, right? That's why connections are so vital and important. Can you say amen to that? Acts chapter 17. 
I really like this passage. Um, I read it the, in the first meeting that we have. But this is... Um, the Apostle Paul was in Greece. And there was a lot of persecution, a lot of things coming against them. He went from one place to another. I think uh, it was, who was it, Silas? Yeah, Silas and Timothy were with him, but he went on um, to Athens, and he was waiting for them. And while he was waiting for them, he um, realized he was a light on a stand, and he went and found a Starbucks and started ministering to guys. Um, and I'm looking at this in the New Living Translation and and I just want to look at a couple of verses I mean well a few verses here but I just want to make a point there's something I saw in this as I was looking it over in talking about the importance of connections while Paul was waiting for them in Athens he was deeply troubled by all the idols that he saw everywhere in the city he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there he also had a, a, a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection they said what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up Others said he seems to be preaching about other, some foreign gods. But I want you to notice why they said these things. Then they took him into the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. So there's some of them that were interested. You're saying some, other, some rather strange things, and we want to know about, about what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Remember like I was saying earlier, you know, all the other things. Talk about about this person, talk about this, talk about the weather, talk about everything that's el- else that's going on. And Paul standing before the council addressed them as follows. Now this, <clears throat> um, this area that he, that he was taken to was like... Um, it would be like kind of, um, you know, everybody in Washington uh, in the Senate and, and the House kind of being outdoors under the, I don't know, like the, the, Lincoln, the Lincoln Monument, you know, uh, under some outdoor thing. It was an outdoor stage, but it was where judges and rulers and everything were. And so all of a sudden he's, he's listen, he was in the city waiting for Timothy and Silas and the things he said stirred people to the point they wanted him to come and tell the highest people of the land. When you know you're a light and you were created to be on a stand, you'll open yourself up, deal with yourself so that your life can prompt others to open up to God. Can you say amen? Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in, in every way. And actually, that was a, po- that was a positive statement. Some translation make it look like it isn't, but as I was studying that out in, in my Greek lexicon, th- there's a couple of statements made there that say that, that actually he was saying it in a, in a positive way because they understood that being religious was a good thing. So he said, you're very religious people. In other words, you're very devout people is what he was saying. Um, <clears throat> For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription to an unknown God. 
This God whom you worship without knowing is the one that I'm telling you about. (laughs) The one you worship without knowing, the one you're religious towards, you're going through the motions and honoring that you don't know anything about, that's the one I know. So vital. It's so vital to be connected. I can't even tell you. I mean, something in me that that weeps when I think about it. Because do you know how vital every single conversation that you have with every human being you come in contact with? Do you know how vital it is? It's, It's not pressure to say the right thing. It's being connected with the redemptive revelation. So the uh, what, Starbucks, I was minding my own business. I wasn't thinking about telling anybody about God. And you know what? Here's the deal. I could have got really ticked that that woman tried to slip me a foreign coffee. <laughs> How dare you slip me? A medium brew. I could have got ticked. See, if you move by your emotions, you, something like that's gonna, gonna not, you're not gonna like it. I could have got moved by that, and would I, if I'd have been moved by the coffee thing, would I have heard God tell me, tell those guys I want, I like change. The only reason I've learned how to do that and I can do that, I didn't say that I didn't, something didn't rise up in me. I mean, I almost had an attitude coming out of my mouth and it just changed. I can tell you there's been a lot of times where something maybe a little bit more extreme than that's happened and something came out of my mouth and then I had to repent. And many times when you're spending all your energy, you repent, you're not going to hear about telling those guys about God either. And repentance is good. Thank God we can do that. But God wants us in an ongoing relationship with him that's creating redemptive revelation and understanding about who we are so that we don't cast off restraint so we're not gods under ourselves, but we believe he is our God. I tell you what, he is so excited that I'm excited. That means if you're excited, Man, he's so excited that you're excited. Because the depth and the price that he paid for you to be liberated and free and to be the light that's on a stand that's shining and you let yourself be on the stand and shine, it's, it, it just, I, I mean, I can just, I, I feel like I have this picture of God with a smile from ear to ear. Man, they're believing it. They're doing their part. We're not going to, this isn't going to have to drag out for the next 2,000 years. Because they're getting it, they're passing it on to their children, and their children's children is getting passed on. So whenever, whenever it's time for this thing to end, you know, in, in I don't know, in the next 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, whatever it is, whenever God's through here, all it's going to do is it's, it's going to be a celebration over there because he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and he's going to establish things in both of those places that we're going to live with forever. But he wants it to be like heaven now. Amen. And it can't be if we're not connected to what he's building. 
And the way you do it, just get connected in every little thing that's going on. Everything that's going on for the good of other people. Remember, he wants you to be open, to be connected to him, so that you can prop others to be open to get connected to him. That's my connection review message. Amen.